Hi, y'all. Welcome to Word Salad, a show about language and identity on CGSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta. Word Salad has all the words, all the best words. Every episode, we ask whether we speak language or whether language speaks us. You know, we look at words and how they shape the world we see. Because language isn't some transparent reflection of the world. No, no, no. Language actually creates the world. There's this uh, amazing hypothesis about it. It's called the Sapir-Whorf theory. And it basically states that our limits of language are the limits of our world. And our world, some fancy pants professor once said, is the prison house of language. Yeah, that's, that's all interesting, right? That's all like interesting and abstract and theoretical. And you can take courses at the University of Alberta on that very notion. In fact, you can take a class with me. I'd love to see you in my class someday. Yeah, you right there. You and your car. Come take a course. It's interesting. Anyway, I'm on the, I'm on the phone the other day and I'm talking to the Syrian guy, Syed. And uh, it's really hard to really say anything. So we get together and Syed is a refugee. Uh, he came over to resettle in Edmonton a few months ago and my family, along with a few other families, we sponsored him. And, you know, they came from a war zone. They lived in refugee camps and now they're here. And the biggest challenge we've had is actually language. They don't speak English and I don't speak Arabic. And even our hand gestures often don't correspond. They do movements with their hands that I don't know how to read them. So anyway, the other day, Syed is telling me he really wants to go to the gym. And I, I can figure that out because he's doing this thing with his arms, pumping them up and down. That's got to be lifting weights, right? Got to be. So I say, yeah, sure, we can do that. Let's go to the gym. And we use Google Translate all the time. We're often just sitting there with a phone, tapping things in and having this weird voice come talk to us, a voice that sounds a little bit like this. You are listening to Word Salad on CJSR with Dr. Russell Cobb. He brings you all the words, all the best words. Yeah, I know. Weird, right? Um, but it's ironic because in my job, my bread and butter job that pays the bills as a Spanish professor, I'm constantly telling students, do not use Google Translate. For the love of God, don't do it. And here I am, Syed and I are talking about lifting weights, and I take him to the gym, and he's there. He's, he's pumping iron. This guy was in a refugee camp just a few weeks ago, and here he is. He's, he's strong. He's like, he's like doing those lateral presses. He's like lifting way more than I could ever lift. He's really strong. Anyway, we, we, we're, we're driving back to his place afterwards, and he, he wants to tell me something. So I, so I pull over, and we whip out the phones again, and... He's looking pretty serious about it. He types something in Arabic, and he hits translate. And uh, it sounds like this. One day we will go to the seashore with my love. And uh, so I look at him, and um, here's this muscular guy with this black beard. And and uh, he's looking at me, and he's, he's looking in expectation. Like, what, what do I think? What do I, you know, like, what, what, what? So I say, um, can you can you repeat that? And so, yeah. One day we will go to the seashore with my love. Uh, you 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 want to go to the sea? 
No, no. He shakes his head. No, 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 no C. Okay, you're in, you're in love. You're in love. No, 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 no. He's not in love. He's, he's just happy he got to go to the gym. That's it. He just, he just wants to say thanks. Thanks. I, I don't, I have no idea what happened there. But here's the thing: is Google Translate, you, you can, you can elevate them to an art form. Here's a little thing um, that uh, Idris Elba, the actor, did on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon a while back where they uh, Fallon takes uh, popular songs, translates them in, into one language, then just translates them back into English. So it's, it's a sort of a mechanical operation. I don't know what language they're translating into, but we're getting the fact, we're getting the actual lyrics translated from English into the target language, then we cut and paste that same phrase, same song, and get it back into English, and we get something a little bit like this. I think you'll know the song. A Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> Translated, it is called The Baby Escaped. <laughs> okay. Roots. Check one, check one. Uh, uh. Okay, okay. I love large shots, that is the truth. A few of your siblings are here. That woman showed up, had hats for him to a sleeper around your head. You stole seeds. What a carry too hard, did you feel that something was filled? In class, she was deeper in depth. I'm fascinated while I observe. Hello, kid, want a photograph. With a serious sword at which that house never came discouraging. But your sapiens was horrible. Thus, male friends, male friends, did you meet your wife's back? We encourage it. I mean, that was did anyone understand anything I said? No, yeah, that's the fun of it. Yeah. Okay. So today on Word Salad, we've got a veritable smorgasbord of linguistic delight and curiosity. First part, we're going to look at words and phrases that don't exist in English, but maybe they should. Secondly, we're going to play you some music around those words and give you a flavor that you didn't know you had. Now, first up, we've got these expressions that are supposed to be uttered one way, but everyone pronounces, or a lot of people anyway, pronounce in a different way. You know, like espresso. Espresso. X. No, it's, it's clearly espresso. But so many people say espresso. Uh, I've been collecting a long list of phrases like this for going on about three or four years now. And I've actually come up with a, with a name for them because I don't think that there's a, a, a way to describe them, right? I mean, you could say mispronunciation, but that doesn't really get at it because so many people mispronounce it. Sometimes it becomes the phrase itself. It, it takes over and becomes the dominant way. So I've got my own way to, to, uh, uh, I'm going to copy. No, I can't copyright them. This is just public radio. This is like community radio. This is not about making money. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I just want to get this phrase out there because I really like it. My wife just kind of shook her head when I said it. She was kind of like, eh, you're being silly, but I've got it. I call them doppelganger phrases. And like a, like any doppelganger, it's, Sort of like you see the person and then their doppelganger. 
they look almost just like that other person. It's almost like a mirror reflection, but something is just a little off. It's almost like the umheimlicht effect. I love how all these things are come from German. I don't know what, what it is about German. Anyway, I don't speak German. If you speak German, by the way, why don't you write to me, tweet at me, scissortail74, or find Word Salad on Facebook, CGSR Word Salad, and send me some, your insights. I'd love to hear from German speakers. I'd love to hear from every kind of speaker. But anyway, I'm getting away from what I want to talk about. Doppelganger phrases. So phrases that seem almost just like the original phrase, yet they kind of take on a life of their own. That's also so like a doppelganger, right? Like if you have a doppelganger, they're out there, they look almost exactly just like you, but they're out there like living their own life. So here we go. These are, this are my collection of what I'm calling doppelganger phrases, phrase that is pronounced and uttered one way, but many people pronounce it another way. Okay. Nip in the bud. That's the way I think it's supposed to be uttered. But how many times have you heard nip in the butt? Nip in the bud, nip in the butt. I kind of like nip in the butt. <laughs> I kind of like it better. Okay. Here's one. This is near and dear to me as a, as a teacher when I teach writing. And you ask somebody to please describe in greater detail what they're trying to say. You tell them to flesh it out. But how many times do you hear flush it out? Flush it out, flesh it out. Is it flesh it out or flush it out? Maybe it just depends on what you really want to do. Oh, this one I actually thought was, I thought the doppelganger was the original one. And then I kind of fine-tuned my ear and did some did some searching and realized it is not coming down the pipe. It is coming down the pike. Such and such uh, new reforms are coming down the pipe, coming down the pike, not coming down the pipe. But hey, here we are in Alberta, We've got lots of pipelines. So maybe it's better that they just come down the pipe. I mean, how many pikes do we have? What the heck even is a pike? Like a pike, like a turnpike? I don't even know. Coming down the pipe, coming down the pike. This one, I had no idea. I got busted by an editor. I wrote in some essay, I can't even remember what it was about at this point. I just remember this feeling super embarrassed when I wrote that something, something, something for all intensive purposes was something, something, something else. And the editor said, no, 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 it's not intensive purposes. It's intents and purposes, intents and purposes. Should have cut that out anyway, because it's cliche, but it's not intensive purposes. It's intents and purposes. Although I literally like the phrase for all intensive purposes. Here's another good one. Pains, painstaking painstaking as one word it's actually pains taking pains taking and and even though uh, my word processor here is telling me that's that's wrong it's another one of those it's another one of those phrases that it was supposed to be 
taking pains. So pains taking two words that just got turned into one word painstaking. This one's just, this one's just hilarious. Um, don't know how many people actually use it, but I just love it. And it comes from that same editor who busted me for saying all intensive purposes. He said, don't feel bad, Russ. You know, it's not that bad because I just had another writer write that, that something, something was a doggy dog world, a doggy dog world, <laughs> a doggy dog world, as opposed to, of course, the original phrase, dog eat dog world. I just love a doggy dog world. Anyway, moving on. Espresso, espresso. We talked about that. Uh, here's another one you hear a lot. The, 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 Latin, the Latin phrase is et cetera, right? It's so on and so forth. Continuing on with whatever else you were talking about before, et cetera, E-T. How many times do you hear et cetera, et cetera? I don't know if it's something about the way the English mouth works that we can't say et cetera or it's hard to say. We want to do a, a more abrasive et cetera, but I hear it all the time, et cetera. I, I try not to judge, and you shouldn't either. If people pronounce something differently than you, don't get all judgy. Don't do that. It's not nice. Not only is it not nice, it's inaccurate because our language is constantly evolving and um, there's no point making hard and fast rules because they will just be broken. Here's another one. Jerry-rigged versus jury-rigged. I've always heard it as jerry-rigged, to jerry-rig something, to make do, to come up with a way to fix something that isn't the way it's supposed to be fixed, kind of a hack. Uh, the way I understood when I did my little search on this is that it's actually jury-rigged. And somehow it's pronounced, It's hard to pronounce jury-rigged. It's easier to say jerry-rigged. <laughs> Here's one that uh, uh, is kind of bordering on inappropriate, but I've heard before. A clothes horse. So-and-so is a clothes horse. I guess this means they just they just really like clothes. They 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 buy and keep and maintain an extensive wardrobe. Clothes whore. <laughs> clothes whore. Yeah, that speaks for itself. Here's another one that I'm sure most people don't know. When you're really uh, raring to go, you really want to do something, you're super excited about getting going on something, you're chomping at the bit, chomping. It's actually not chomping. It's well. I say it's actually not because it's everyone says chomping now. Chomp. It actually comes from champing. And champ is a specific motion or movement that horses use when they um, <clears throat> are really uh, uh, biting down hard at the bit in their mouths when uh, the rider is getting ready to go. So the horse racer. The, in a horse race, the jockey's ready, ready to go. The horse, the horse is excited. The horse is just like ready to get out of that gate. It's actually champing, not chomping. I think people chomp, horses champ. But who cares, really? Anyway, doppelganger phrases. Ah, this one. This one is a big question. So, right into word salad. You know, just hey, why don't you call me? I'm actually in the studio. Call me. 780-938-3183. I want your I want your opinion on this. Is it homing in or honing in? Right? You're, you're, you're searching for something. Um, 
it's out there, you haven't quite found it, but you're homing in on it. Or are you honing in on it? To hone or to home? I can see a case for either one, like homing like a homing pigeon, or hone as in to sharpen, to get get uh, more precise, like the way you hone a knife. Hmm, I don't know. What do you think? Homing in or honing in? All right, how about this one? It was a last-ditch effort. Or was it a last-stitch effort? Last-stitch effort, last-ditch effort. I don't know. And one more that I always thought was, I always thought somebody who was really good at poker uh, could really just sort of run the table was a, was a card shark. I thought that person was a card shark. And it makes sense, right? Because if you're playing poker with a bunch of people and one guy and, and the people who, uh, the, the word for the kind of amateur poker players who are doing the wrong thing and losing a bunch of money, they're minnows, right? They're minnow, they're little fish. So you would think that the big fish, the guy who's like the, uh, the super poker player is the shark. But it's actually not a card shark. It's a card sharp. A card sharp. All right. So those are my doppelganger phrases. Phrases that probably weren't supposed to exist. But then because of either the effects of our actual language, the way our mouths work when we speak English, or because they just sound better, like card shark. I think card sharks just sounds better. I like seeing a shark as opposed to a sharp. Uh, they they transform into something completely new. So there's also a whole other bunch of phrases, of words that should exist and don't exist. And uh, you know, when you start thinking about that, you kind of fall into a black hole of language. Like some weird void is happening. You don't even know what's going on. Because there's no word for words that should exist but don't exist. What? Did, did you just did you just feel that? I feel like the, the earth just kind of like stopped spinning for a second because we realize that there are words that should exist but don't exist, but there's no word to describe that effect. Dang. Wow. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to just move on because I feel like I'm going to have like an existential void in my life and give you one. <clears throat> have you ever had that moment where someone says something to you that is kind of rude or inappropriate or just ignorant? You know, like the other day when I sort of was just minding my business and crossing the street and this like super biker guy without his helmet just comes flying down the road and even though he has a stop sign just almost runs into me and he's like you need to watch out and I'm like uh, sorry which of course I shouldn't have said because he clearly had a stop sign and almost hit me and so I was just left there I was like oh, I should have said you know, I thought of all these great retorts and comebacks that I should have said. And then I finally got, like, came up with one. But the moment had passed. And I feel like that that is a phenomenon. Like, we need a word for that. Where you come up with the right comeback, but it's, it's, it's too late. The moment has passed. And so apparently German has a word for this. 
German has like so many good words. I think I need to learn German. Trepp, if I pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry. Treppenwitz. Treppenwitz. It's actually, that's a whole word to describe the perfect comeback to a rude or ignorant remark about a person that you only think of after the situation has passed. Treppenwitz. Treppenwitz. Okay, so um, I've got the word for it. This is, I've been thinking about this for, for like months. Like, what's the perfect word to describe that situation? I'm going to call it a late back. It's a late back. It's not a comeback because the comeback has to happen in the moment. This, it's like a comeback that comes too late. Anyway, late back. You heard it here first. I'm not going to copyright it. Can't do that. Just throwing it out there in the public domain. Okay, so um, shifting gears a little bit. There's this uh, great uh, uh, site, Flama, which uh, is uh, Latinos in, in, the, in North America, uh, talking about Latino issues. And as you can imagine, um, a lot of the, the particular issues have to do with language. Um, Latino immigrants adopting, not adopting, somewhat adopting, transforming their experience and their worlds from Spanish to English. So um, one of the things that's just lovely about it is that Spanish, just like any other language, often has words that like we don't have <laughs> in English. And I'm sure every language has this. And I'm sure it's also vice versa. Like there's lots of words in English that don't exist in other, in other, um, in other languages. Um, I really think we need to adopt Treppenwitz, or if you can't say Treppenwitz, maybe you'd adopt mine, the late back. I like the late back. Um, and anyway, I'm going to play you a little bit from from a comedian, Joanna, on Flama, on words that uh, that should exist in English, don't exist, and what Spanish speakers do with them. So let's start with Spanish words that don't translate to English. First up, sobre mesa. Literally, it means over the table. It's like, it's those moments where you hog the table and the waiter looks at you like, get out, <laughs> please. Empalagar is the feeling you get when you've had like way too many sweets. It's like, like, but like tired. So it's like, this is why I need a word. You know when you eat a lot of cotton candy or drink a lot of soda? That's empalagante. It's also a source of diabetes, Christopher. Wait. Wait, excuse me? This is an intervention. Seriously, stop drinking so much soda. It's ridiculous. Wait, why are we talking about this right now? Because it popped up in my head. Another word is friolento, which is someone who is prone to be cold a lot. My theory is that this word probably came from abuelas, because abuelas are everywhere, and they're always cold, and they're always looking for a makeshift shawl. It's like, pass me that, abuela, this is a tablecloth. I don't care, I'm cold. She, like, wears a tablecloth. She, like, looks at a pillow. She takes the stuffing out. She wears it on her head. She's got, like, foot warmers, but they're not foot warmers. It's just kittens. In Spanish, there are two words for I love you. Yeah, two. The ghetto is a casual word we use for friends and family. Chris, I sort of like the ghetto. Aww. Don't get too excited. It's Joanna. Stop. But then there is te amo, which means I'm in the love with you. Don't say it to your dad. That would be weird. Yeah, you think? That's already weird. Gross. People that do that make me as uncomfortable as parents that kiss their kids on the mouth. I feel that Spanish speakers have more like complex emotions. You know, we need more than one word for the same thing. Like we even have two different words for being. 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 
Am I saying it right? We also have like 18 different words for straw, but that's in another video, here. More than anything, these words tell us a lot about the kind of people we are. We are loving, social, and yeah, we're easily chilled. I am freezing right now. All of this makes a lot of sense when you look at the words English has that we don't. Reliability, accountability, trade-off, awkward, and in my opinion, English-speaking countries are more reliable and accountable and definitely awkward. On that note, there are lots of other words. There's, um, I'll just give you a few um, that Spanish has. And I, just one word that you have to have like a phrase to describe it in, in, um, in English. There's a whole, there's a, there's a word for a man, specifically a man, who can't grow body hair. That's a lampiño. Lampiño. Uh, can you believe that? There's just a whole word for that, for not being able to grow body hair. Um, there's uh, something about body, like body stuff is very common in, in, in Spanish. A manco. A manco is just a one-armed man, and a tuerto is a one-eyed man. I guess you could have a tuerta, but that would be a one-eyed woman. And a manca would be a one-eyed woman. Of course, that gets into the whole aspect of gender and whether Spanish being a gendered language and what we do about that. That's a whole nother episode, folks, of Word Salad, of people that are Spanish speakers that are starting to address in very interesting and needless to say controversial ways of either questioning or eliminating altogether the gendered aspects of Spanish. We can talk about that some other time. Yeah, that got awkward. Awkward. So awkward. Did you know that word does not exist in any romance language that I know of? How super awkward, right? There's nothing in French or Spanish or Portuguese. I guess Fr French has the word gauche, which I guess means left. On my French is comme ci, comme ça, as you can probably tell. Uh, gauche is sort of kind of awkward. I mean, it left-handed, it means um, slightly askew, but it doesn't quite nail the sentiment of awkward because awkward is like, is there any word that has become so vital to the culture as awkward, even the way kids these days pronounce it awkward that little that little two-tone thing awkward anyway well guess what i mean that's a word that is fundamental to english and yet uh it does not come from english it is not an english word and a little shout out to the uh site grammarphobia uh, the grammarphobia blog they've got these wonderful linguists who debate these things and and put their heads together source it through the Oxford English Dictionary and uh, really go back and figure out where the words come from and how they evolved. Well, turns out awkward, not English. It does have a Middle English uh, um, aspect to it, the adjective awk, A-W-K, which means the wrong way around, backhanded, awk. But then there's a directional suffix, word, or, or W-A-R-D. So then, <clears throat> awk, uh, but it turns out we don't use awk, right, anymore, do we? Um, you know, it's like, hey, um, you're looking for the washroom. You're going awk. 
<laughs> you're going the wrong way. No, you tell your Uber driver, no, no, you don't go down that way. That is awk, right? Because that's what awk originally meant was the wrong way or it's doing something wrong. You're doing it wrong, we just say. Um, but awk is, is Scandinavian. I mean, it, it did get into Middle English, but it came from Scandinavian sources. So the old Icelandic adjective there's no way you're going to actually get me to pronounce old Icelandic correctly, although I do have a friend who can do it. So I'm going to try to get her on word salad one of these days. Um, anyway, so the old Norse, of, og, og, the wrong way, um, going backwards. Uh, so that's awkward. Um, awkward being, right, like so kind of like this neologism, that means a new word. Uh, that encompasses a Scandinavian sense for being the going for going the wrong way, and then word, which is like a old suffix for a direction in Old English. Awkward. All right, so that's awkward. Again, uh, nothing like that in Spanish. Um, in fact, it gets very awkward when you're trying when you're speaking in Spanish, as I am sometimes, and. I want to say some situation was awkward and there is no equivalent. That becomes awkward itself. I mean, we've got extraño. That's strange. Not That isn't gauche in French, left-handed. But it also means kind of clumsy. So anyway, I, I could go on with this for a long time. I'm not going to bore you. Okay, let's move on. Because word salad would like to get into something a little more fun uh, and not as awkward and... Uh, and make a point before we move on, and that is that such a mainstay of our colloquial language, awkward, is not even English. And so it's worth remembering that when people get on their high horse about language and what is correct and what is not correct, that the very words that we often use are a mishmash hybridization of so many cultures and languages. And that's why English is great. The only thing that's great about it is that it's so... It's so promiscuous. <laughs> it's so promiscuous in what it does with other languages. And that is word salad because we bring you the words. We bring you all these best words, and so many of our best words are loan words. Now, with that in mind, what I want to do now is shift gears a little bit and talk about some words, play some songs with some feature words that are not in English, and there is no equivalent. But considering that English is so promiscuous, I think it should adopt these words. I think it should make sweet love to these words and adopt them into the colloquial vernacular, just like awkward. So many centuries ago, where would we be without awkward? You are listening to Word Salad on CJSR with Dr. Russell Cobb. One day we will go to the seashore with my love. 